And then once you figured that out, then split it out into, okay, how much do I want in equity and how much do I want in debt? Debt doesn't return as much, but it's also safer if things go wrong. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him, and he has a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate. And I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary, but he has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com. And you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations, and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program, and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value, so he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him. And then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years. And I know him well. And I suggest that you get to know him as well. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Ian Ippolito. How you doing, Ian? Hey, doing great, Joe. How about you? I'm doing great. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Ian. He is an investor and founder of the Real Estate Crowdfunding Review. And his website is appropriately named the real estate crowdfunding review.com. So you can go check that out. There's also a link to the website in the show notes page. Ian is the founder and CEO, and he has been interviewed by a bunch of publications you've heard of time, wall street journal, etc. And his website and his approach, we will be talking through. So with that being said, Ian, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Sure. I guess you could say my former life, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And like a tech entrepreneur, I created a bunch of businesses, built some up, have, still have some of them actually. But my biggest kind of change into my life was when I sold one back in 2013 and I kind of edited. Now my new job became managing my finances and figuring out what to do with it. And I was like, well, all the different choices and trying to figure out what to do. And at the time, real estate crowdfunding was just starting to become known. There were some new laws that had been put in place to allow it to happen. And there were some new laws still to come, but still there was a lot of good stuff there. But there was no way to get an overview for myself of the industry and which sites were the good ones. They were all saying they were fantastic and obviously they couldn't be. So I basically went 
and I did an overview of the entire industry, which took me a couple of months with a, an assistant and interviewed the people in the platforms, went and talked to investors and saw how they did and just like went into the legal documents to really get an understanding of like, where do I want to put my money? And after I created it, I was like, okay, well, now I know what I want to do. And a couple of people started asking me for it when I started passing it out. And then after a while, a bunch of people started asking me for it. And then it was getting to be too much. And I thought, well, I'll create a website and put it out there so anyone who wants it can grab it. That's kind of how I came into it. I love it. We're going to talk about this and I'm on your website and we're going to talk about your methodology and your approach. Before we get to that, you had a liquidation event where you sold a company that you created. Is that correct? That's right. And you say 2013. What is a lesson learned from that experience where you built up a company, sold it, you made money, and now you're passively investing? Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. So what'd you learn from that that you can share with us? Oh, gosh. I mean, I learned so many things. It's a very different thing and maybe a little bit more traumatic than <laughs> I was expecting. It's like uh, <laughs> it's a complete change of a life from before I was you know, the CEO of this company and I had created it and I had a bunch of employees. I'd go into the office every day, had a certain routine. And then all of a sudden there's a liquidation event and I'm done. I'm finished, which was fantastic in many ways because I felt like all the cares of the world were gone because all the stress all disappeared. That was fantastic. But there was a lot less structure to my day. And also, I became a lot more conservative with what I was going to be doing with my investments. Before, I had a nice income stream coming yep. in. Now, my investments had to do everything. Mm -hmm. So it changed for me as a person. You're kind of like the structure of my day. And it also changed the way I invested too, big time. Mm -hmm. And one more follow-up, and then we'll move on to the real estate crowdfunding review. What is your advice for an entrepreneur who is looking to build a company and then get a liquidation event that makes him or her smile at the end? <laughs> well, it's kind of weird, but I think my first recommendation would be that you always have to start with the end in mind, of course. I'm not trying to say that, not to do that. But at least for me, the road was long to get there. It took many, many years. It wasn't like an overnight success. And we hear so many stories of these overnight successes that I think a lot of people kind of expect it to be like that. It certainly wasn't the case for me. You know, I had a lot of failures and a lot of problems that had to be overcome to finally get there. So my advice would be to be patient and to have a plan in mind. If it doesn't happen overnight, how are you going to get there? How are you going to take care of yourself financially? How are you going to sustain your business over the long run? And I think if you have a long run plan, then if everything goes really fast and is great, then great, fantastic. And then if not, and if it does take a while to get there, then you're set too. So that would be my advice. So now let's talk about the website that you built up based off of the research you were doing for yourself and then others seem to want in on that info. So you, you built something and are sharing it. What's your methodology? My methodology is I look at everything. <laughs> I probably annoy a lot of people. I definitely annoyed several sponsors or platforms where they didn't want to talk to me because I just, I ask a lot of questions. But for me, if I'm in the situation where I'm going to hand over my money to somebody else and I'm basically signing a legal document that says, do whatever you want with it. And that's essentially what these syndications and real estate crowdfunding deals are. The person can do whatever they want with it. I feel like I really need to understand everything in the investment and I want to dig into all the nooks and crannies. So that's basically what I do when I'm evaluating a platform. I'll go in and I look at the legal agreement 
And then I'll look and say, well, what happens if this company goes bankrupt? What's going to happen to my investment? Is it going to be stuck in limbo, maybe with a bankruptcy? Or does it look like they have some sort of bankruptcy remote structure? And then there's some sort of voting process where we can choose a new administrator. So I really go down into the nitty gritty just in all the different areas to try to get a picture of whether I feel comfortable with something or not. So within the nitty gritty, you mentioned one thing, and that's the legal agreement. What are some other categories of stuff that you look at? Me personally, I think one of the most important things when I'm looking at investments or a sponsor or whatever is I want to see experience. I don't want to see someone that is just coming in and is going to be learning using my dime, basically. There's so much to running an investment in any business successfully. And there's definitely a huge difference between novices and people with experience. So I want to see someone super experienced. I want to see someone that's navigated adversity badly and has <laughs> yeah, navigated yeah. bad adversity, yeah. uh, adversity well. Right, so yeah. probably I'd love to see a sponsor that has been around in the Great Recession. I mean, even longer is even better, maybe multiple cycles. And I want to see how they did during those bad times because it's really easy to make money when everything is up, but the bad times are tougher. So I look at that. And then after looking at the sponsor, there's a bunch of things when looking at the individual deals. And then if you're looking at platforms, for example, and actually it's both platforms and sponsors, how much money do they have into this? How much skin in the game are they putting in? Are they the type of investor that's or the type of sponsor that's just going to say, I'm going to create 50 deals this year and I'm going to put as little into each one. And if some of them take off, great, you know, I'm fine, but not really caring about individual deals. Or are they actually putting in substantial skin in the game in each one? And then I'm like, okay, I feel more confident that they really care about my particular investment that I'm in. Well, help me differentiate between two things so that I don't get them mixed up in my mind. Your website is focused on evaluating crowdfunding websites, correct? Yes and no. Yeah, it does have that in it. There's a kind of a public portion of the website that evaluates all the platforms. And then there is like a private investor club where people talk about individual investments. Got it. Okay. I'm with you. So for the purposes of our conversation, because they can get mixed up, because when I asked you that question, I was thinking about crowdfunding websites, and then you went into... Gotcha. We we kind of mixed things up a little bit. So let's just... Yeah, yeah. We'll focus on one. That way I don't get confused and I don't ask the wrong question. No problem. So let's just talk about crowdfunding websites and how you evaluate those websites. So what are the categories that you use to evaluate crowdfunding websites? Are you talking about like how an investor would evaluate them? Like they, for an investor, the best thing is to kind of look at how you want to allocate into the different asset types in real estate. And then maybe I want a certain percentage in debt and a certain percentage in equity. And then at that point, they should be looking at, oh, well, what are the top three or four platforms in whatever it is that makes sense for me? Uh-huh. And then there's the point of view of, like the website, what I do is to make that evaluation, I take a look at a bunch of things. So the biggest thing is for me is transparency. It's like almost every site says we're the best and our underwriting is the most wonderful and you can trust us. But investors have had bad experiences too. And there's been platforms that have gone out of business. So I want to see transparency where the platform has said, these are the deals that we've done. Here's how well they're doing. When I see that kind of transparency, it's like, okay, you know, I, I have a, a good feeling about it. There's some platforms that will do that. Some won't. They won't release their information. So that to me is like a huge plus. We talked about the legal stuff. I like to see that there is some sort of protection in case there is a bankruptcy. Because like I said, you know, it's happened before and it's definitely going to happen again. And there's going to be a downturn at some point. 
And there's probably going to be a lot of these platforms that go out of business. So I want to know that that's in place. And then I look at what kind of skin the platform has in the game. Some of them will pre-fund deals. So maybe they have a million-dollar loan, take a million-dollar equity loan on, you know, I don't know, commercial real estate or something. So they will put up a million dollars from their balance sheet into the investment, and then they'll put it on the marketplace. And then at that point, only the investors see it. So they would have to be really careful. If the investors don't like it, they'll own that real estate. So I like that because that means they're going to be more careful to put things out there. And then even better than that is if they put skin in the game by actually co-investing along with me. If they do that, then I'm like, that's like a real vote of confidence. I know they're really taking the time to do the due diligence. I love it. As far as the transparency goes, will you help me understand how can I research if I mean, one would be to go to your website, which we should do. But if someone weren't listening to this, or I mean, how do you identify the transparency? What specifically do you look for? To me, the biggest thing is there's kind of like three levels. Like there will be some that will have no transparency. Some will have, here's the overall performance of all our investments that we've done. And it's this average rate of return. But that average rate of return can have some that were big winners and some that were not so great and maybe even big losers. So really what I like to see is that there's a couple of platforms that will say, here, take a look at all of our investments. You can go and look at each individual one and say, this is the return. You know, this one did great. This one didn't. This is how long it took to return the money. Okay. These are the ones that are in progress right now where we don't know how well they're doing. But when I see that level of transparency, that makes me pretty happy. Uh-huh. Okay. That's very clear. Thank you for the hopes me out you know so i always take notes on all these calls and so i'm trying to like put in some tips and this is great you this is the three things for the websites once you identify how much debt and equity you want to allocate towards which category then you look at transparency and some have no transparency they don't show you performance some have some transparency and that would be maybe they're aggregating their rates of return and then some have all transparency where they show you all the deals and the returns. And then with the legal agreements, the bankruptcy protection is something that you look for. Does a company currently have bankruptcy protection that you've come across? Yes. And again, it's just like the transparency. There's kind of like different levels of what I like to see. There's some that have no protection. There's some that will have what's called bankruptcy remote, which means that if the investment that you're investing in, or say the platform you're investing in goes bankrupt, the legal structure of that is separate from the investment that you're investing in. So the company can go bankrupt, but the legal investment will still continue to exist. It's still going to be theoretically in good shape. But it, it turns out that that's not even enough because what can happen is the parent company can go bankrupt and that can still get dragged in into the bankruptcy. And what can also happen is that your investment might not, well, for sure, it would not have anybody running it if the parent company was bankrupt. So what I really like to see is where they thought about this in advance and they said, okay, if anything goes wrong, this whole fund is going to be taken over by another administrator, this third party. Or maybe they say, well, okay, we don't have another administrator set up because that's kind of expensive. But what we're going to do is we're going to say, you guys can all vote. So all you investors, if 60% of you, whatever it is, a majority of you, say that you want to install a new administrator because we went bankrupt or whatever, then you can do it. So that's what I like to see. And then with the alignment with the deal, you've got one level of pre-funding the deal, which is great. 
then the level above and beyond that is if they're pre-funding and they're co-investing alongside with you. Yes. And you know what, Joe, let me add something else too, because there's kind of two types of crowdfunding sites out there right now. Kind of the crowdfunding sites that underwrite their own stuff. In other words, like typically there'll be like notes. So they'll be doing like flip loans for a residential house or something like that for an investor. So they underwrite their own stuff, meaning that like all the investments they see on there came through their site. They're making money off of the management fees and stuff like that. Then you get the second type, which is they basically are, you could kind of think of them as like maybe pass through. So what they do is they basically will take someone else that did some underwriting and take their deals and put them up there. Mm-hmm. And those may be individual investments. It might be like a fund manager that's in there. So you kind of have to look at those in a different way too as well. You can't quite evaluate them the same way. Like if they're a fund manager, you kind of have to do the same thing that I would typically do to the platform, but do it at the fund manager level. Uh-huh. So then you have to ask about their record and what's your historical performance and that sort of thing. Great point. With the three categories of evaluation that we've talked about, transparency, legal agreements, and alignment with the deal. How would you weigh those, a percentage with equal 33.333, or would one be weighted more than the other? I'm like, I want them all. To me, for example, if there's no transparency, maybe I should qualify this too. I'm a very conservative investor. I told you, it's like I depend on my investments for my living. So for me, if they're not transparent, I won't invest. If they don't have that bankruptcy remote set up, I'm not going to invest. So for me, they're all equally important. But I think that maybe if someone was a more aggressive investor and in a different financial situation than me, where, hey, if they they take losses, maybe someone's young and they take losses, it's not a big deal. So if I were to choose between them, I still would pick the transparency, I think, Mm -hmm. because that's really getting to the past historical performance and what I can expect in the future. Love it. What is your best advice ever for real estate investors who are passively investing in crowdfunding platforms? There's so much to learn and stuff like that. I guess the the biggest mistake that I see is that people say, hey, I discovered this thing called crowdfunding. And uh, the way they discover it is probably through a website. They don't bother to check out that particular website and compare it with the other ones. And they just jump into it. And then later then they're like, oh, I wish I had taken the time to realize that this website doesn't have X or doesn't have Y or doesn't have Z and I got into something I wish I hadn't. So I think the best advice would be, one, compare. And then even before that, the other thing I think I think most people don't do, they don't look at the big picture. Like they're just like, oh, this is cool. I'll invest in real estate. But really the smart thing to do, I think, is to take a look at your whole portfolio. You know, you've got stocks, you've got bonds. You've got maybe other types of alternative investments like peer-to-peer lending. You've got real estate. And figure out what percent kind of makes sense for that. And then once you figure that out, then split it out into, okay, how much do I want in equity and how much do I want in debt? Debt doesn't return as much, but it's also safer if things go wrong. Equity could return a lot more, but if things go wrong, it also lose a bunch of money. So there's a bunch of portfolio strategy and allocation that I think really needs to go on before anyone even starts to kind of look at the platforms and stuff like that. You read my mind with the next question I was going to ask you about <laughs> your thought process between debt and equity. So we'll, we'll just keep on rolling. Okay. You're, you're one step ahead of me. <laughs> you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep, sure. 
All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at the realestateinnovators.com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read, this sounds weird, but Posture Alignment, which has been a thing about getting your body in the proper position to get rid of aches and pains, as well as to improve your self-confidence. So, weird answer, but... Cool. And do you remember the author of Posture Alignment? Let me think about it. It is... Actually, I have it here in my desk. <laughs> it is Paul de Arazzo, MD. What's the person's name? Paul de Arazzo. It's A-R-E-Z-Z-O. All right. Best ever deal you've invested in passively? Ooh, I got a bunch of deals. I guess I could say maybe if we base it based on return... I'm very happy with these residential rentals that I managed to purchase here in Tampa. Tampa turns out to be like a really, really good market. And I purchased a bunch of them at the right time, right before prices started to really skyrocket. So I I was very happy about that. And why not continue to do that versus invest passively in crowdfunding websites? Oh, that's a good question. I actually do both. I think they're a good complement. Kind of like how I talked about the diversity of equity versus debt. I like to have direct real estate that I own because I feel like I have control over that and I can also structure it without debt, which for me is a very conservative thing that I like to do on part of my portfolio. I think I count on it. But if I invest my whole portfolio like that, I'm not going to make a lot. So I like to balance that out with the crowdfunding, which tends to be a lot more leveraged. So I'm taking on more risk, but at the same time, there's also more reward. And I feel like I can also access a lot of asset classes that I can't on my own. I could invest in a $500 million office building or whatever, where on my own, I never could. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh, man, I made a lot of mistakes. One I'm kind of regretting now is that I got into a real estate syndication probably like around, it was a couple years ago. And the problem was that I didn't know what I was doing, basically, what it was. And when I was negotiating the terms, it was in a very speculative type of investment. You've got your equity investments, which are more speculative than debt. And in equity, you've got different strategies. You can do core real estate investing, which is the safest. You can do value-added, which is more risky, but higher return. And then you can do opportunistic, which is the riskiest, but also the highest chance of return. So it's an, it was an opportunistic development, taking raw land and putting permits and titles and stuff on it. So it's pretty risky stuff. I thought it was good based on the timing of the cycle. What I did incorrectly was I didn't negotiate terms properly. And the way I negotiated them actually incentivized the manager to kind of act against my best interest. <laughs> what I had done was it was set up where I would get a certain amount of return. That's very typical, you know, you get 9% return. And I forget what it was. And then after that, typically you'll split the money with the sponsor. Maybe it might be like you take 80% and they take 20. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. And I got a very high preferred return. It wasn't like a seven or nine. It was like 11 or 12. So that part was good. But then on top of that, the sponsor took everything. And I didn't understand it at the time. But by setting it up like that, I'm basically incentivizing the sponsor to take as much risk as possible because they are just going to take 100% of everything above a certain return. And the only way to get a high return, of course, is to take more risk. So 
it ended up biting me several times in the investments where I was really uncomfortable with what the manager was doing and just ratcheting up the risk. I was like, can we just sell this thing now? And instead, the manager engaged in a bunch of things that just made me kind of gave me a heartache. And, you know, it was, it was a roller coaster ride. So thankfully, in the end, I was able to exit. So I'm like, okay, I'm out. This is great. Fantastic. But I learned a lesson. It's really important to pay attention to how the manager is compensated and make sure it's aligned with me. Best ever way you like to give back? We have a bunch of charities that we love to give to. But one of the best I love here is Feeding America Tampa Bay. Feeding America anywhere around the nation is just a fantastic way. I don't see people that don't get to eat in my daily life, but they live here. So we'll give lunches to kids and these kids will have not eaten. They'll be like, well, yeah, I skipped lunch or I skipped dinner or maybe they haven't eaten in a couple of days. So it's pretty gratifying. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? They can reach me on the Real Estate Crowdfunding Reviews, a link to my LinkedIn, or they can just write to me through the contact page, however they prefer. Great. Well, Ian, your website is in the show notes page. So best ever listeners, you can check out the website and check out the rankings that Ian has for the crowdfunding websites. Ian, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your experiences and lessons learned and the work you've been doing and the lessons learned from that work. The website process that you look at for ranking and the three things that are really important, transparency, legal agreements, and alignment with the deal. I already summarized some of those earlier, so I won't go over it again. But you mentioned after I did the summary that transparency, well, you want all three of them. And for you personally, it is mandatory to have all three of them. If you were to step back and perhaps be investing through someone else's perspective, then transparency would still be first and foremost, number one. And then with the story you mentioned on the mistake that you made on a transaction, I never thought of the higher preferred return giving more incentive to the group, the sponsor, to increase the risk because they have to make up for that in theory. It depends on the person and just their approach, but I'd never thought of it that way. And perhaps some other people hadn't either. So thank you for sharing that story and thank you for being on the show. I enjoyed it. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at therealestateinnovators.com.